Hey folks, if you like listening to Stumble Through, there's now a way you can support the show. Click the link in the show notes to make a once-off donation through the ACAST supporter feature. There's no ongoing commitment and you can give as little or as much as you'd like. I love making the podcast and I'd like to keep making it. So even if it's just the price of a coffee, every little bit helps. Thanks so much. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Do you find the time when you can't find pause? A confirmation once your face is gonna open some doors. You do what you gotta do, stumble through. Hello folks and welcome to Stumble Through, the podcast for young Australian adults trying to figure shit out. I'm your host, Paula Arujo. I'm a writer, theatre creator and marketer. And this week is a really special week because I have two guests. I am here with the wonderful Peter Wood and Kristen Maloney, and we're talking about mounting a fringe show. Hello, folks. How you doing? Hello. Hello. Thanks for having us. Thank you for having us. Thank you for coming on. Oh, my God. I'm so excited. Um, can you introduce yourselves for the lovely listeners? Sure. So my name is Kristen Maloney. I'm a writer, director, producer, and I'm also doing a PhD at the moment. Whoa. Yes. That's, that's a lot. Looking at theatre and augmented reality. Yeah, I'm a little busy, but it's oh. good. I like it. <laughs> Just a little bit. Yeah, just a little bit. And I'm also, yeah, so for this show, I'm the producer and mm-hmm. co-director for Boys Taste Better with Nutella. Lovely. Yes, and my name is Peter Wood, and I am the writer, co-writer, uh, co-actor, co-director, along with Kristen, um, of Boys Taste Better, Better with Nutella. And um, my other half, Caitlin Hill, who is also the co-writer and co-director and co-actor, could not be here tonight, but we will be here. Enjoy. Her? <laughs> <laughs> she's at a wedding, so she sends her love yes. from a place of love. She does. Yes. I love that. Sends her love from a place of love. Mm. That's so. That's cute. <laughs> Alrighty. Um, have you guys stumbled through anything this week? Oh. Invoicing. I. Oh. I feel I've actually had a very adulting week with mm. my business. So, um, my company is called Backyard Theatre Collective. It's the company uh, producing, presenting Boys Stays Better with Nutella. And in the new financial year, I decided that I was going to get my act together and open up a business bank account and transfer all the funding and box office profit that we've been having for Boys Taste Better with Nutella into my business bank account. So I had a very stressful Thursday of opening bank accounts and transferring money. And it seems like it all should be... Streamlined. Easy. Easy. Mm. Mm. But then when... Close to six thousand dollars doesn't appear in your new bank account, oh. and you think it's lost in the ether. You have a slight panic attack. Mm, yeah, I wouldn't. Mine wouldn't be slight. Mine would be very loud. Yeah, this very is very present. <laughs> Kristen, but it's all fine now. I got it all sorted. Okay, thank so, goodness. Yeah. Wow. But I think that was definitely yeah. This is stumbling through going from a theatre company that was just kind of 
flying by the seat of my pants and actually mm. now I'm, I'm like, no, I've got accounting software and mm. I've got a business bank account. I'm, I'm really trying to be a bit more legit with it and I'm stumbling through how to do that. But I mean, that sounds very legit and super impressive. It's hard. Yeah. It really, is. It's, and I'm like trying to sort out my superannuation as well. I'm paying oh. myself super. What? Because I oh. realised I looked at my superannuation account and realised, oh, I don't have enough. Oh, God, that's right. You have to, um, what's that, self something super, self-funded super. Yeah. You have to do that if you're well, made. Yeah, yeah, I have to put money into my super account. So, yeah, I was just realising if I keep on putting zero money mm. into my super fund for the next however many years, I'm still going to have zero. So yeah, you still have to work. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. That's been, what about you, Peter? Well, what am I stumbling through? Well, I've been doing, I've been working every day. Yeah. I don't think I've had a day off since May. I'm not even kidding. Like working, because I'm assuming what you mean is you work. On um, my jobs yeah. and rehearsals. Mm-hmm. So there's not been one day where I don't have something on. Mm-hmm. And so this is, yeah, I'm just going through it. And I work for the Starlight Children's Foundation yes. as a captain Starlight. So every day working with kids, it's fantastic and I love the job. Mm-hmm. But sometimes, sometimes you just don't want your nails painted. <laughs> and He's just shown us. If only you could see, <laughs> listeners. The carnage. I've got one hand full of messy nail polish and the other that I've tried to take off. But it's impossible because it gets reapplied. Ten minutes later. Oh, no. Um, so, it's, you know, it's good. Mm-hmm. I'm just constantly very exhausted and have mm. no time for extra curricular self-care. Mm. Oh, that's super hard. <laughs> I know. So, yeah. the self-care I have to do is up from 9pm onwards. But that's when um, I should be sleeping. I mean, that could... Sleeping is self-care, though, isn't it? Like, yeah. trying to enforce a bed. I've been trying to do that, and it, yeah. it's hard. But sometimes you, you have to wash your face. Yeah. But that just takes a long time. Mm. Yeah. Because you have to, like, get to the bathroom and then wash. And, like, yeah. be there. Yeah. Like, yeah. physically, mentally be there. Yeah. Mm. There as well. Mm. Yeah. Because yeah. if you're not, then it that could be a whole hour. Yeah. You're, like, washing Staring your face. at the liquid. And just going, oh, what is my life? What is the meaning yeah, of this? Yeah, and you're playing music and then, oh, now I'm dancing. Oh, wait, no, I have to wash my face. Where's the self-care gone? Um, so, this resonates too much with me. I, I, I'm not pulling it from personal personal stuff. I, I'm just assuming this is what people do. Yeah, I, I've never done that before. Yeah, no. definitely. No. All right, let's get into it. Um, so... Fringe shows. How do you get a slot at a fringe show? Is there like a call for applications or is it about getting invited or do you pay your money and everyone who pays gets a spot? What, what's the deal? So fringe shows actually are open access. Oh, and what does that mean? The theory behind it, it means anyone and everyone can put on a show. Oh. So fringe festivals really came up on the fringe of actual festivals. So, you know, if you've got your Brisbane festivals and your Sydney festivals, they're curated. You have someone making decisions about who gets into that festival. But, for example, Edinburgh International Festival, I think mm-hmm. it was called, uh, was going on, which is a curated festival. And on the fringes of that popped up Edinburgh Fringe Festival. Oh. So then we're sort of saying, look, you've got this one person, usually a man, making a decision about what shows get seen, what is culture. Mm. And so the artist decided that, no, you know what? Well, Anyone and everyone should be able to put on a 
put it on a show and they started popping up around the fringes of Edinburgh putting on their own shows. I've never heard of Edinburgh International. I've only ever heard of Edinburgh Fringe, which yeah. is like the power of That's making awesome. your own. Yeah. That's the largest one, but there's yeah. a lot of commentary happening at the moment mm-hmm. is even though it's in theory open access, you still have hubs. Mm. So these are spaces that are central that the fringe puts a lot of money and marketing Mm -hmm. into and that's curated so you Um, have to apply to be put into a hub so at the moment i'm going through the very fun application process for next year of applying to hubs oh good people are so much fun all the time i love applications i'm just so excited (laughs) (laughs) you need to fill out my name many times (laughs) let me justify my show another six times or something um no so it's what i do i'm a producer so that Mm. that is my job but that is actually curated so you do have someone deciding is your show worthy to go and come now you can go and put your show on anywhere in a venue that agrees to it but they're not as popular they're not as go-to so for example fringe world festival in perth Mm -hmm. which i think is the largest fringe festival in the world people will just rock up to the hub and see what's on and go to it Mm -hmm. so if you're performing outside that you have to convince people to come all the way out to you to see your show so yes Mm -hmm. if you can afford it and i think that's something Mm -hmm. we'll probably talk about quite a bit later on yes anyone can put a show into a fringe festival that's the whole point Mm -hmm. about it but you know not being in that curated hub makes things a lot harder and um you know i i don't have a disability but I think there's also quite a lot of discussion about accessibility for people that aren't able-bodied in, mm. in hubs and yeah, venues, like venues. Mm. not yeah. catering for that. So even yeah. though it's meant to be open access and everyone's invited, mm. well, actually, are they? That's true. And, um, oh, gosh, who was it? I think it was – this is terrible of me, um, but I only know her Instagram handle, and it's um, More Blessings. She is a arts creator in Sydney, and she commented on how um, if you are a Sydney theatre company – and you're putting a main stage show on at, I think it was like past 6 p.m. She was like, okay, but you do realize that given the tram timetables and things, you are then only inviting the people who can afford a ridiculous public transport line or who live in that area, which is very wealthy people. Mm. So she was like, it's not like you're not invited. It's just that they're going to make it very difficult for you to be there. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Very much so. That's so interesting. Yes, it's... It, and as a producer, you know, I'm booking venues that I've never seen before. Oh, that's so tough because you can't, like, check things, really. No, I can't. So I'm sort of going off their specs and sometimes you – we've been very, very, very lucky with the venues we've had and the venue managers have been absolutely lovely in answering my billion of questions. But, you know, I don't know really what I'm getting myself into and what I'm getting my audience into as well. So mm. you do have to be really careful of that. So, yes, anyone can put a show on, but is that actually? (laughs) Yeah. Can they? Mm. Well, actually, before we go any further, I was so rude and I forgot to ask you guys, can you tell me more about the show? Like, what is Boys Taste Better with Nutella? Well, Boys Taste Better with Nutella is a part comedy, part theatre show. It all started in Queensland, short and sweet, as a 10-minute play, and it won a, a few awards, and then it won a... When they're saying a few awards, it's best overall production, <laughs> okay, best sorry. group, best actor. Like, they won the I just, awards. No, because I feel like I'm, like, gloating. I'm like, oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, get your LinkedIn pants on, okay? Ah. You're allowed to talk about your awards. Ah! <laughs> ah! Okay. Well, it won. Best writer, best overall production, Caitlin Goss got best actor, and that's it. Okay, I can stop there. Um, 
but it won a development at the powerhouse, which we used um, uh, to the most of its time, which was uh, almost two months. Wow. I know, ridiculous. We had all December and like probably half of January to pull a 40-minute show out. And so we did that. We performed it at the powerhouse the year later. And then we put it through another... Uh, through well, then a, I think you guys got a little bit stuck then. We did. We got stuck. And that's um, when we invited Kristen. Because yeah, yeah. we knew that she um, had her own uh, company, Backyard Theatre Company. And we wanted also a third director to kind of help kind of like the the pull and tug of war mm-hmm. that Caitlin and I have with each other. So mm-hmm. now it's like with three directors, we can all make a decision collectively. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very much so. I think... You know, they really asked me to come on board to, to be able to present it somewhere else. Like, where can we take it next? How can we actually film this? Yeah, because Caitlin and I are not producers. <laughs> we're not. We don't do the paperwork They're not, stuff. They're not yeah. afraid of money. Like, <laughs> not, no. I, I, she knows this. <laughs> Kristen knows this. Well, that's okay. Like, it's okay if you're not good at something so long as you find someone to, like, match that skill that you're missing. Like, that's part of adulting, right? You can't do everything. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's what Caitlin and I brought out from each other, mm-hmm. that she really honed in on the writing and I really honed in on kind of the dramaturgy of the play and kind of moulding it. And then when we brought Kristen in, it kind of like all came together. And so, yeah, it's, it's but yeah, in, to answer your question, it's, it's about <laughs> these two, two young people, uh, Aggie, which is Caitlin's character, who keeps falling in love with these men and it kind of ends up the same way. It's feel, it feels like she's trapped in a loop. Um, and then Frederick's story, which is my character, he is obsessed with how strangers view him and he accesses that through making online videos and he looks oh. at the comments and see what they're saying about it's it. like external validation yeah. to the max. Yeah, yeah. Ah. So they, they just have a, these two characters have a little bit of trouble with their, their kind of self-worth and how they are treated by other people. But it's funny. It's really, really, <laughs> it's but it's funny really funny. Show. It's such a I, funny show. I saw, I saw the sit short and sweet the first time that you did it before I knew you or Caitlin, and I loved it. Oh, that one hundred percent got my number one vote. I'll stop. Even though it was probably there to see another show. <laughs> Don't tell anyone. <laughs> at them, Paula. At them on Instagram. Yes, because I am very combative like that. <laughs> um, Alrighty. So we were talking a little bit about paperwork before. Mm. So paperwork. What kind of documentation do you need for the application? Like, what, what send help? Sure, yeah, this this leads on from the, really nicely from the previous question about, mm-hmm. um, you don't really need any documentation oh. to put a show on. Like, you need your public liability insurance. Oh. Um, and so you need to have mm-hmm. your certificate of currency to prove you have that. Okay. Um, but apart from that, you don't need any documentation to put a show on. However, if you're applying for a hub, mm. which you want to do, yeah. there's quite a lot of documentation you do. So um, my documentation includes uh, show images or video, yeah. and most of them don't want more than eight minutes of video. So don't record the whole thing and then just put a link in there. Actually just pick out key snippets okay. that really exemplify what the show is. So like a highlight reel, basically. Very much yeah. so. Um, letters of support. And I can't, I, yeah. I'll put my hand up. I left that to the last minute and couldn't get one, but they really do make a difference. If you've got other professional artists. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so a letter of support is basically other organisations or other artists, and it can't just sort of be your mate or your mum or yeah. your, like, auntie or something like that saying, Butter. yeah, I think, you know, Peter does a really good show. Yes, this is wood. Exactly. You actually need other professional artists. So if you... If you've done a co-pro with, like, for example, 
if I had been organised, you know, I could have approached <laughs> Short and Sweet, which is a recognised company, mm. or Brisbane Powerhouse even, yeah. and try to get a letter of support. But they are tricky to get because they take a lot of time. Yeah. Um, and then other documentation that you need is a marketing plan, and that is actually taken really seriously, and that takes quite some time to pull together. So you want to mm. look at what you're trying to achieve, your target audience, and how are you going to reach that target audience. Oh. Mm. So... We're very good at pulling together documentation about a show. Mm-hmm. We're, we we usually think about that, mm-hmm. and we're very good, but you actually have to think about, you know... How you're going to spread the word. How mm-hmm. you're going to spread the word, which is what the hubs are most interested in, or they're most interested in. Usually they're interested in the show you're doing, but mm-hmm. they're also very interested in how you're selling tickets. True. Like, they, if they're a hub, they want to know that you're going to be, like, beneficial to have you in there. What's that called? Um, it starts with an A. Uh, an attribute or something like mm. an asset. An there asset, you go. Yes. yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, they can't lose money as well. They're mm. a business just like we are. True. Yeah. Like we sense. don't like to think of ourselves as a business, and mm. I try to separate the art from the business, mm. and that's why I try not to stress these guys out too much mm. about figures. Mm-hmm. But yeah, know, at the end of the day, like you need bums and seats, and you need ticket sales. Pretty much. Yeah. And so, how are you going to do that? So yeah, there, there's a lot of documentation mm. involved if you're applying for a hub. Mm. Oh, that, like, leads really well. Now, I want to come back to a question we have about what kind of work works. But first, can we quickly touch on, like, uh, how do you get an audience when there are so many shows? Like, we're talking about the marketing. How do you get the eyeballs? How do you get the bums in your seats? That's really difficult because I remember when we went to Perth, Mm. we were like, okay, so we kind of want to market to, you know, young, middle-aged women, also queer people for our show. And then, you know, opening night, there's an audience for, like, elderly couples. <laughs> yeah. And we're like, what? Where is this spot in the Venn diagram? Where did you come from? <laughs> and what did we do? And, and and that's something I've now taken into account and mm. actually go, okay, well, obviously, mm. there's a there's a desire there. So I, whether it was the venue or our show, it's a bit hard to say. But, yeah, your question, if I knew that question, if I knew the exact answer mm-hmm. to that question, I can give you... Our experience and my mm. experience of putting in fringe shows and but yeah it is a million dollar question you'll talk to yeah. producers all the time and they'll all have a different answer um my tip is to go for a really multi-layered approach don't just rely on social media mm. don't just rely on posters and flyers mm-hmm. you um, need like an i believe it's called an omni-channel approach oh i haven't actually heard that term but i'm going to steal it <laughs> please do <laughs> I like it. and i think some of the things that worked best for us, yes, our, our, our social media worked really well. Um, I don't do posters. I actually find them a bit of a waste of time. Mm. I do posters for the venue, but then I just fly up. Mm. So the first day we get there, we all put on our running shoes and a hat and everyone does a letterbox drop. Mm. Um, and we do lots of flying around. But then also think about that thing that can make your show a bit special. Like people get flyed at all the time during mm. these fringe shows. So um, actually had the idea of approaching the bar at mm. the venue and asking them to make a special Nutella cocktail <gasps> yeah. yes. for our show. Oh, my gosh, yes. Which they kindly did. Mm-hmm. And so and they actually had a sign there saying, boys taste better with Nutella cocktail, book tickets here. Mm. Oh my and God. the amount of people that were walking in with the Nutella cocktail. That's genius. I think that that's called interactive marketing or it's like basically you've incorporated your marketing into the user experience of the show Mm. and so how can you do that for your show Mm. how can you do something that's you know something unique and different that sticks in people's mind i mean Mm. you know you just have to find out what's what's going to attract people because to be honest 
you can have the best show in the world and mm. unless you market it right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also the the choice of venue helps a lot. Uh, yeah. There's Just a be- lot of effort that goes into that. Yeah, because if you you could have an excellent venue, but mm-hmm. if your show doesn't suit the like the audience that the venue attracts, oh. no one's really gonna be interested. Oh my gosh, that's right. There has to be like a matching up of all. Yeah. Like, oh my yeah. Gosh. So you can't just put it anywhere and be like, yes, I have a venue. It's mm-hmm. like, well, well, people that you want to turn up, turn mm-hmm. up. Mm-hmm. True. Yeah. Um. So let's get back to what kind of work works. Are there like specific genres and types of work that um, are usually at fringe festivals? Are there like commonalities? Do you think between like I have a lot to say on this because it comes back to <laughs> what, take it, take it. what a fringe festival is. Okay. Um, at the moment, what you'll see in fringe festivals, mm-hmm. which what works at fringe festivals are comedy shows and cabarets mm. because comedy is easy to mount. It's cheap to mount yeah. um, and it's popular. It's a really light night out. Mm-hmm. Um, cabarets are also getting that. You'll see a lot of one-person cabarets. Um that are not as cheap as comedy, but they're still cheap to mount. Yeah. And you're also seeing, like, there was this massive influx. I think Adelaide Fridge had this, there's a bit of controversy, not controversy, but there's a mm-hmm. bit of um, discussion around it, is the fact is Adelaide just got flooded with comedy because comedians realised they could do the circuit on it. Mm-hmm. So they can do Adelaide and then they can do, I've got the other comedy festivals, and they all sort of... No, there's Melbourne and Perth, isn't there? Yeah, um, Perth and Adelaide are pretty common fringe mm. festivals to do back-to-back, but yeah. there's another big comedy festival, and they're just realising that they're just getting so many comedy shows in. And yeah. and I think, you know, I took it to uh, both Melbourne and Fringe, a very, very serious, very sad, dramatic performance... Mm. About siblings and grief and mm-hmm. one sibling dying and there's some audience participation mm-hmm. and, yeah, no one wants to go see that at a fringe show. But the audience that did go loved it. They cried. They oh. they hugged us saying, thank you so much, you know. But how do you market that show to a fringe audience that most of the time just want to see something really lighthearted and really fun? And I think this is why I was so excited when the – when Caitlin Peter asked me to do Boys Taste Better Than Nutella, because I was like, you know what? It's part theater, but it's also so funny. And you'll be in stitches laughing. I think I saw someone's Nutella cocktail go out through their nose and someone laughing so hard, which would have burnt quite a lot. That would have hurt. Hurt. And then we did not do the risk management plan. No, And then the show switches and mm-hmm. it's so sad and so raw and so true. And I think that's what I love about this show so much is that you're crying with laughter in the minute and then you're crying with, you know, just mm. all the feels the next. And I, and I think that's why it's doing quite well. And we've got the nostalgia of Nutella as well. Mm. But, yeah, to ask what does really work. I mean, Pia's first Fringe Festival was the one we just went to in, mm. in Perth in Fringe World. So what did you feel worked really well in a Fringe Festival? Um, again, I think, like, comedy is such an easy way to get the audience mm. on your side. And that's why I think it works so well. Because when you're in a huge festival and people choose your show... They kind of, I don't know, for me anyway, when I walked in the show, I was like, oh, I want to be one over. Mm. I want to be impressed. You're in a huge festival. What, have you, what separates you? What makes you different? You need to win me over. Mm. And so that's why I think comedy is like so good for that because it's like, huh, I can make you laugh. Now you're on my side. Gotcha. <laughs> Yeah, um, that's true. Like, comedy is a great uniter, and I think yeah. people are more likely to want to laugh than they are to be like, 
Yeah, I'm going to cry. Yeah. Alrighty, now it is time for our Things I've Never Said segment, where we accept anonymous submissions and confessions from our listeners on the topic we discuss. So, submission number one, we have, uh, how do you convince people to be part of your show? I'm a writer and I have a show I've been working on, but I haven't found a producer or many cast members. How can I approach people to ask them to work with me on this? Hmm. Well, how did I approach Kristen? I think I was in your car and I said, put on my show. <laughs> yeah, you might have been drunk at the time. Direct. I was drunk at the time. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe don't be drunk when you approach someone. Yeah. Maybe. No, Depends. Don't do that. No, but I, I think you have to look at who you know and who you want to work with and kind of genuinely ask because, yeah, hundred percent. It's, it's yeah. just you just have to ask, yeah. and and most people are very very happy to sit down and have a coffee with you mm. as you explain the show. And you buy the coffee. Mm. I've got to reiterate this: if you're asking someone to be in your show, you buy their coffee, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and don't take up more than half an hour of their time. Mm. Short yeah. and sweet. Short and sweet. Mm-hmm. Buy their coffee or their latte or mm-hmm. you know chai or whatever, meet, and meet them at a place that's convenient for them. So if you know they live. In Chermside, yeah. you make the effort to drive out to Chermside. You find a nice cafe near them. You buy their coffee, and you get you've got half an hour to say what the show is and what honestly what you want from them. Mm. So it's a pitch and it's a request. So you're very clear when you ask them. It's very, not very sort of a. So. It's kind of like a maybe and I don't know. No, exactly. Mm-hmm. And I think the other thing is people are quite. Especially when you're starting out, people are actually quite willing to work for free, but there has to be a different currency involved. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is you have to offer them something that is worth their time mm-hmm. in exchange if you can't offer them actual physical hard cash. Yeah. So for us, it's it's the opportunity. Like we're in a position now; we've had lucky enough to have some funding, so we are getting paid a little bit. But you know, if I'm taking someone over for a fringe show, I'm setting up network opportunities for them. Um, so they're meeting other artists. Like we went to Melbourne Fringe and we made sure we met with people at La Mama and we actually showed them the show at La Mama, like, mm. you know, some key people at La Mama, the show. So, you know, you, you have to be paying them in a different for, so, form of currency if you can't pay them with cash. Yeah. Um, and okay. have that sorted. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. What, um, th- there's a word for it. Uh, it's exposure. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. No. Don't say it's for exposure. It's for exposure. <laughs> Um, oh, what's it called? Uh, networking. Payment in kind. Payment, payment in, in kind. kind. Yeah. I've never heard that. I, I think I like, like, I like payment in kind, but I like saying currency because it actually, um, yeah, feels it's, like it's a value place. There's a value, like your time is valuable and, but what I'm giving you is valuable as well. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Beautiful. Um, all right. Yeah, so. answer the question. Yes. Yes, okay, I Great. Great. Yeah. I think you so. handled it. I think, I think it's also like, sorry, I just want to say. Don't be afraid for them to say no and don't take it personally. Yeah, don't take it personally. Yeah. They may just literally, like, not be able to physically be there. Yeah, 100%. I've had so many coffees with people and I've spent so much money having coffee catch-ups with people, asking them to be in the shows, and they're like, oh, look, no, this show's not for me or I don't have time. But because I've had that coffee mm-hmm. catch-up and it's been really great, we've then worked together later on down the track. Yeah. Nothing is ever wasted. No, situation. 100%. And if you don't have many kind of like a huge wide network mm. or, or you might, and, you, and many of the people, you know, just might not be right for the roles mm. that you want to fulfill that, that calls for you to kind of like go out and see shows and mm-hmm. then connect people that way and kind of like do your own scoping of artists around your area. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Um, okay, so second submission is, I've heard Fringe Show success is a three-year game. Is that true? Will it take three goes to get a great Fringe Show and turn out? 
I'm assuming they mean audience turnout. Yeah, mm. um, I think they're possibly thinking of shows like, you know, Fleabag? That started out oh as a God. fringe. But that was like, that was one of those like overnight phenomenons. Like, she but it took wasn't, it, she slogged. Really? Oh, yeah. I thought it was, like, she took it to Edinburgh and the first time they took it to Edinburgh, it was like... It was, but she also slogged it out at a lot of fringe shows. Oh, okay. Like, it wasn't just Edinburgh and suddenly she was on Netflix. Oh, okay. So she, like, she tweaked it as she went. Phoebe Waller-Bridge, by the way. Yes. Yeah, who knows. Look, Phoebe, Mm -hmm. I love you, but correct me if I'm wrong as well. Mm. From what I understood, she did the Fringe Festival Circuit where she was performing Mm -hmm. it, and then I believe they got another actor to do it, Mm -hmm. and then then Netflix happened, and now she's touring it again or something like that. I'm not... But basically, to say it's a three-year game, yes, it is, but if you can afford to do it for three years without breaking even or making money, mm. that's a hard slog. Like, yeah. you, you're not guaranteed success after three years. Mm. Yeah, it depends how you measure success. Because mm. some people might measure it with, like, oh, I've just done three years and I've broken even. I haven't made a sense where someone mm. could call success doing one fringe and going, oh, I made 300 bucks. Yeah, I think, I think it is a case of you have to have a plan. You have mm. to have a roadmap that you're going to go on. Mm-hmm. And that, like, our roadmaps, I say, it's about two years at the moment. Mm-hmm. So it's this year and the next year is yeah. we've mapped it out. And we've got some aims at the end mm-hmm. of that, like what we hope to have in the pipeline mm-hmm. or people that might want to buy the show or something like that. So I'm that that two-year map is like I'm looking at co-present. Who, who can I invite to present potentially be presenting partner with us or something like that? But to say you will have success after three years... I think you might be setting yourself up for a little bit of disappointment. Mm. Yeah. Fair. Mm. Can you take a fringe show and put it on a small non-fringe stage without many changes? Uh, If they mean non-fringe stage as in kind of putting it on in their own way, in their own city, in their own venue, Mm. I don't think so. Because I feel like if it works in fringe, it can work in your area if you market to the right people. And that's just the same for if you're putting it on a fringe. I'm not quite sure. I'm still new to the game. I think I'm a little confused by the question, so yeah. I'm going to try to answer it the best I can. Um, are they talking about the staging, do you think? I think like, I think they're talking about, like, they're taking a show that they've made for a fringe festival and putting it on, I would assume, some place here would, would be, like, maybe not Le Bois, but, um, uh, like, renting out the Metro Arts Lumen Room or the Sue Bennett Theatre uh, yeah. and then putting it there, like, straight from Fringe and putting it in a venue like that. I think if I think if you're changing the audience that it's being, like, mm. if you're going from a Fringe audience to possibly, like, a established theatre audience mm. or, you know, for example, if you, yeah. you were putting on Prisoner Powerhouse or something mm. like that at the Busy Theatre, it might just need a little bit of a creative development. But, but like, you know, as I said, yeah. we've got our map. Our map definitely includes going from fringe to yeah. established venues. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. we are positioning our creative developments so we can transition like that. Yeah. We can upscale and descale the show depending on where we are. Mm-hmm. So um, I think, yeah, it definitely it, – I think you can definitely do it if you feel that the venue is still going to be right. Mm-hmm. Like the audience for that venue is still going to be right for the show. Yeah. Um, if you've – 
if you've made a street performance to only be going in the hubs of fringe festivals and then you try to put that into Brisbane Powerhouse, maybe not your idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, but yeah. you can look at other opportunities. Maybe, um, you know, talking to LeBron and seeing if they want some external t- entertainment before guests go into one of the main stage. I don't know. Yeah. You know, you just have to think about the audience that your show attracts mm-hmm. and then and then put it on at those venues. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Beautiful. And to round out, um, I would like to ask you guys the question that I ask everyone who comes on the podcast. What would you do if you knew 10,000 people would do the same? Oh, my God. That's a really hard question. I'm probably overthinking it. The first one that came to mind was pick up a piece of rubbish off the street. Yes. Oh, my gosh. No. Really? really? Yeah. 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 Well, I, that's, that's what I thought. But then I also thought, well, what about, like achieving your dreams and like <laughs> making a theatre show and like going out to a fringe. I want 10,000 people doing that. That's great. Mm. You could always say, I want 10,000 people to come to the fringe show. <laughs> yeah. My, so my thing I'll do, I would go to Voice Instead of Nutella at, <laughs> at uh, Melbourne Fringe. Um, what? Sorry. Come yeah. again. Wait, what? 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 I would like 10,000 people to come to Voice Taste Better with Nutella at Melbourne Fringe. <laughs> I think at the moment I, like, I'm always obsessed with food and my mm. partner is an amazing, amazing cook and I cannot boil water without burning it. And so... That's still an achievement. I, I have literally watched water burn the pan. What? You can burn water? Yeah. Well, it boils down. And then it just starts burning the pan. Oh. Yeah. Anyway, I can't... Oh, all these things Kristen, I never knew. That's really... <laughs> that's, that's all, that's all, how do you... What? I, I just, just put more water in there. It won't burn out. I, I, We're going to do a small cookery course for you, just real quick. <laughs> well, I mean, at the moment, thinking about food and about how I just can't cook and how I actually, like, want to share that with other people. But I think, actually, if I could do it, it would be... Not me cooking, someone else cooking a really, really nice homely meal. Like at the moment in my house, the smells of casserole and minestrone mm. soup and slow cooked lamb have been filling my house. And just inviting your nearest and dearest over for a really nice Sunday dinner. Oh, yes. That, oh, yes, please. If 10,000 people did that every Sunday, I think nice. there'd be a lot of happy bellies. Yeah, a lot a of lot Australia would just be smelling of slow cooked lamb. Yeah. Mm, delish. I, I love that. Like, That's nice. Yeah, less problems, really, when you, like, boil yeah. it down to stuff like that. And you <laughs> have a meal and can talk to people. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I just... Win, win, win. Something about being in a cosy house mm. with soap quick lamb, a glass of wine, and chicken dinner, and just sharing some time with friends. Yeah. Oh, beautiful. Well, thank you guys so much for coming on the podcast. It has been a blast, and... I, I feel very privileged that I, I get to, like, have the boys taste better with Nutella crew on my, my little podcast here. Um, <laughs> Thank you so much for having us. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Um, so, now, plugs. Where can we find you? Where can we support you? How can we support you? What are the show dates? So, uh, Boys Taste Better with Nutella is being presented by Backyard Theatre Collective. So, you can either like Backyard Theatre Collective on Facebook or Instagram, or we have Boys Taste Better with Nutella on Instagram. We like are... them on all three. Yes, please. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are next performing as part of Melbourne uh, Fringe in September. The dates we are at the Melba Sawtooth, and that is on the 13th, 14th, and then we have a couple of days off. And then we're back there at the 18th, 19th, 20th, and 21st of September at 7pm. 
Sweet. Put it in your diaries, folks. Might buy a plane ticket. A hundred percent. And we definitely have plans to tour a lot next year mm-hmm. as well. So if you like us on Backyard Theatre Collective Facebook, you'll get updates of where we're yeah. touring all around. Who knows? They might come to a theatre near you. Hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully. We're going to rule the world with Nutella. With Nutella that I'm actually allergic to. Come again. Oh, yeah, I'm in a show about Nutella, and I'm allergic to Nutella. Do you have to eat Nutella in the show? I almost did in the first draft, but no, I don't. Okay. We, we, we use nut-free Nutella because he's actually highly allergic. So yeah. we get a Nutella jar, we clean it out, and we fill it back up with nut-free Nutella. Oh, my God. It's, yeah. like, sugar-free, GMO-free, it's vegan. It's, like, like this, like, very healthy chocolate spread that does not taste good. I was about to say, does it taste healthy? Yeah. Oh. That's not fun. I think the amount, though, that Caitlin consumes throughout the show, like, it could be the healthiest. Like, it doesn't matter. She's still consuming so much. Yeah, but she does have a cavity now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. She, uh, I don't think she can even look at Nutella anymore. No, no. She can't. No. She can't. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for coming on the podcast. Um, and as always, thank you all for listening. Um, thanks as always to Zane at That's Not Canon Productions for producing the show. Graphics are by Claudia Pickett. Music by Jessica Fletcher. If you've stumbled upon us, don't forget to rate and review the podcast. It really helps other people find us. You can find us on Instagram at StumbleThroughPod and Facebook at StumbleThroughPodcast. See you guys next time. Bye! So, what should I listen to now? We are Castology. This is our podcast about podcasts. We are your Castologists, Patrick Shearer, Liz Best, and Zancy Weber. Each week, we'll bring you three of the best and sometimes not so best podcasts around. We'll also do the hard work and trawl the RSS feeds to find the newest podcast that should be on your radar. And then next week, we come back and tell you what we thought of the recommendations and bring three new sparkling podcasts to check out. Now, will we always agree with each other's picks? Probably not. But hey, you're clever. You know that's how reviews work. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any podcatcher of your choice. That's not kind of productions podcast. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.